0: good morning everyone or good afternoon or good evening depending upon where you are on this rotating globe we have some uh, very sad news to open with tonight a um, a really amazing gentleman father husband entrepreneur and basketball superstar Kobe Bryant died this morning with his 13 year old daughter Gianna and the reason that any of this is important is because when you have people of note, when you have people who shine in the public eye, as Kobe Bryant did, going directly from high school to the NBA at the age of like 18, and then rising to be, I think, the fourth highest scoring player in the league. He he lost third place last night, and he sent a congratulatory uh, uh, email or Twitter uh thing to uh, the guy who took the third place away from him um, it you, you you really should pause and consider Bryant was only 41 he retired from basketball uh, a couple three years ago when he was 37 he has he had four beautiful daughters, three you know being, kind of in mid-range, and one, you know, young, young, young baby. And he leaves three daughters and uh, a wife behind because he was taking his 13-year-old daughter, who also was very deeply into basketball, to a uh, away game at uh, her school, um, which I think is somewhere up north of Los Angeles, north of Malibu. And he is obviously, when you're at that level of economics, you can afford your own helicopter. In fact, he was known to commute to and from the uh, Lakers games uh, down at the uh, uh, sports center in Los Angeles by helicopter because L.A. traffic, as we've said many times, is like a parking lot. The reason this is important is because a lot of, of athletes, when their careers are physically over, when they can no longer perform the superhuman things that make them superstars, a lot of them just kind of fade away or they're taken advantage of, or you know, the vicissitudes of life catch up to them because they haven't planned ahead. Like uh, Michael Jordan and uh, a, a few others, um Bryant planned for when he would retire. and his plans included two very important things. He was going, to attend his daughter's basketball game because he was the real champion of women's basketball. As you may or may not know if you're not sports aficionados, and I must admit I am not one, but I keep track of certain things, women's sports in general are second class to men's sports in terms of endorsements, in terms of money, in terms of salaries, in terms of all, coverage, everything. It's just its just the awful fact of our, you know, in transition society to a more perfect union that women's sports are not where men's sports should be. And he was determined in, as President Obama said this afternoon, his second chapter of life, actually he's probably on his third or fourth, but as Obama said in his second chapter, he was determined to do something about that To put his celebrity, his money, his brilliance, because he was a brilliant generalist, you know, again, another generalist, he was going to do something about bringing women's sports, particularly basketball, to an equality compared to men. He also was very interested in Hollywood and had planned to be a producer. He'd already produced one Uh, Short that actually won an Emmy and an Academy Award, which kind of covered his own life. But he was going to branch out, and who knows what he would have done. The reason that any of this is important is because of the subject that my friend Robert and I are going to be talking about this evening, which is life. You can't count on tomorrow. He was only 41 He had a whole incredible life ahead of him, and there may be extraordinary things around the corner that could have extended that life far beyond what we consider now to be, quote, normal. And a tragic, well, we don't know what, accident, obviously, interrupted that life and his young daughters, and so his family will have to go on without him. It makes everyone think. It certainly makes me think because, of course, I've just lost someone that I planned to spend the rest of my life with. One needs to take care of now. If you're with someone tonight that you love, tell them. Hug them. If you have children, look in on them. Think about their futures and plan for if something were to take you away. Life is uncertain. It cannot be counted on. All we really have is today. And Kobe Bryant's so untimely passing is but another reminder of the preciousness of now. For my next um, stories, I want to turn slightly to something, though not directly connected it's related we're seeing more and more unsettling stories coming out of China if you go to the other side of midnightcom and you click on tonight's banner for Robert Stanley Sunday January 26th, um, you'll see if you click on the banner that to the guest page click on fast items near the top uh, right under the banner for Richard and that will take you to my Second and third and fourth items, which are a series of stories coming out, and some of them are already obsolete. For instance, um, a few months ago, there were health experts who were modeling in the computer the spread of this coronavirus if it was uh, to, you know, get away and become a global pandemic. And their simulation showed that in the worst case scenario, it could kill 65 million people. People before it was brought to to halt. Story number three says a second case of the Wuhan coronavirus has been found. Well, now we've got a third, and I think that's in L.A. Item number four is a columnist that I dip into occasionally. He's a financial expert, but he has his pulse on many, many things. He has a, a blog called The Long View, and it's a really good analysis of what this could mean both in China and globally. So I recommend that to your attention. And at the very bottom, if you click on that link, number four, that will give you a webpage, which actually is monitoring, you know, hour by hour, the reported cases. And there's something very curious about this, this flu compared to SARS or MERS or whatever. It seems to have all the prerequisites of, of some kind of, how do I say this without being over, over sensational? It seems to have the the prerequisites of a directed, genetically engineered flu, because we now seem to see that you can be walking around for up to fourteen days carrying this, uh, communicating it to other people, and. You have no symptoms. There's no, there, there's no evidence that you're ill. So people, particularly as you'll read in the Longview uh, piece, from Wuhan have spread across China because of the extraordinary investment of the Chinese government, trillions of dollars in infrastructure. Remember when our president was going to do something about our infrastructure? Where is any of that? Anyway, Wuhan is now connected by high-speed rail and aircraft and highways, and something like 5 million people are spreading out because of the Lunar New Year. And the government is trying to you know, interrupt that flow, but it's so much easier for pandemics to spread in the modern world where everything is connected, not just via the Internet, but via all kinds of physical mechanisms. Infrastructure. So, this is going to be one we're going to watch carefully. There's no need to panic yet, but you want to watch it. You want to dig up truthful, honest, non sensational reporting. There's been a lot of hype already about, uh, you know, Chinese uh, bioweapons and all that, which is why I included a very thoughtful um, Zero Head story, number five, which actually tracks. The fact that this virus apparently was stolen from a Canadian lab, a level four lab, which is the levels that you need to handle things like Ebola and stuff like this. There's only one, I think, in Canada. We have you know, a couple here in the United States. One was just opened 20 miles away from Wuhan in China. And 20 miles is nothing to a pathogen if it finds a vector to carry it those 20 miles. So tonight is is really – it's a very strange way to start a show because what Robert and I wanted to talk about was some big-picture items. But these two events, Kobe Bryant's tragic death and this spreading coronavirus potential epidemic, even the Chinese – A couple weeks ago in their news coverage called it an epidemic. It shows us how fleeting and how short and transient life on this planet can be. And if you're not living in one of the more developed parts of the planet, if you're living in the third world, which um, the uh, Longview discusses toward the end of the piece, this could be devastating to people living just above the sustenance level who have no medical you know, infrastructure, who have no early warning systems, who are basically living day to day um, within earshot and shot of not living here at all. On that very sober note, let me introduce my friend and uh, kind of open up what we're going to talk about this evening. Robert Stanley is the author of two groundbreaking books, Close Encounters on Capitol Hill, and Covert Encounters in Washington, D.C. During his pursuit of modern and ancient mysteries, Robert has traveled to some 58 countries in 57 years. His quest for unique ideas and information has led him to research and write about many controversial topics. His ongoing investigations have been featured on television, radio, print, and, of course, across the Internet. Formerly a corporate journalist for Honda Research and Development, Currently, he is host of the Unicus Radio Hour. He has served as a correspondent for American Morning News and America's Radio News Network. Robert is currently employed as a corporate editor for an international social compliance service. Born in eight, almost said it wrong, 1959, Robert is a native of Los Angeles, California. He grew up in Malibu and in 2008 moved to the southern New England with his wife, son, and dog, Charlie. Charlie, unfortunately, is no longer with us. In 2015, he relocated his family to Asia. In 2019, he relocated his family back to Southern California, leaving Hong Kong the day the protests began on March 31st. Robert enjoys surfing, hiking, motorcycles, tennis, photography, composing music, and wondering about the meaning of life. Robert, welcome back to The Other Side.
1: Well,
2: thanks Richard. I wish we had, <laughs> I wish we could be um meeting under happier circumstances.
0: Well, what's really weirdly synchronistic is I want have wanted for some time to talk to you about what's going on in Hong Kong. Right. Which now of course, since the British transferred uh governmental authority back what, twenty years ago?
2: Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Um
0: and then this story has blown up, and since you're the only person I know who has lived under a Chinese governmental bureaucracy. The thing I wanted to ask you, which is going to be very informative for all the listeners everywhere in the world, is how is the Chinese government going to handle what appears to be a really burgeoning crisis? Because as the uh, writer of The Long View says, you don't begin constructing massive hospitals to contain thousands of people and quarantine an entire modern city unless the situation is much worse than we are being
2: told. Yeah, what's really strange is that they're planning on building that hospital in a, in record time, like 10 days or something.
0: Well, I'm encouraged by that because it means the technology exists to do that in modular yeah. form. Right. That's stunning because I have not seen that in any parts of the world up until this crisis forced someone to – Reveal that you can build a modern hospital in 10 days. That's stunningly positive and important for a whole bunch of other crises that need to be addressed.
2: Yeah, like homelessness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it, there's a lot of things that we can do. And uh, gosh, I, I feel I feel so terrible today. It's been an emotional roller coaster. But I got to say, you know, I, uh, if you recall, I, I, I called you out of the blue last year. And I don't think you know why I called you (laughs) other than say, you know, are you okay? I mean, that was obvious. That seemed obvious on the face, but I didn't want to tell you what had happened earlier. Uh, I was speaking – I I was – okay, so I was living in Palm Springs at the time with my wife and son in a retirement community and um, got to know some of the guys there playing tennis. And one of these guys, an engineer, actually worked in aerospace. And he and I got to be pretty good friends, and he was talking to me earlier in the day before I called you, and he said that his, his wife had passed away recently, and he felt suicidal, which I could understand. Oh. And he was pretty upset on top of it, mainly because he said he had some un- – he never really – there was some unfinished things. Specifically, he never really explained to her that that how much he loved her. Oh. Yeah, and like I said, um, even though I just met this guy fairly recently, I I really felt what he was saying deeply. I mean, empathetically, I could just like, man, this is bad. And I didn't know really how to console him or anything, but it was a message. It was a clear message, and it didn't dawn on until a little bit later in the day. I thought, oh, my God, you know, it made me think, really feel what, you know, what you must be, what you were going through. It made it all too real for me.
0: Well, that's why I said a few moments ago, you know, tell the people that are important in your life how important they are because you may not get another chance. Lightning can strike, airplanes crash. It's, it's, right. life is so impermeable and transient. It's, it's fragile.
2: And the physical part of it is, but the spiritual part goes on. And that's, that is the good news that that I was really w- wanted to get with, you know, uh, con- oh, gosh, I'm having a hard time speaking right now. Um, I'm so emotional about this day. It's just been a roller coaster. Um, so anyway, the reason I called you is because I do love you, Richard. I do care about you. Thank you. And, uh, could, you know, you know, you know, why it's not anything you've done. <laughs> it's the fact that you're my, it's, it, I mean, I know you've done a lot. I, 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 I admire. Oh, that, there but, goes but, a life. Okay. Who cares? <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. No. The reason I love you, Richard, is because we're family.
0: Well, that's how I feel about all the people that I've known and worked with, and and you know known over decades. I mean,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, it's like my 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 mother used to quote, and I found out much later it was Robert Browning, but she mm-hmm. used to quote this incredible poem that I've thought about almost every day since Robin, you know, is no longer here. And it's like – it goes, grow old along with me, the best is yet to be, the last for which the first was made. Huh. And I think of that because all the things that Robin will not be here to experience.
2: I I know. I know. I miss her too, Richard. But I also know that she's very busy. I mean – We all have a lot of things to keep us busy, good work to do once we leave this particular plane. And I know based on all the good work she did here, I know she continued that and much more once she left her body. So um, I guess I take some solace in that, not just with Robin, but everybody who's passed away, including Kobe Bryant. Um, I'm a second generation Lakers fan. My dad took me to the games when I was a little boy and I took my son to the games and uh, back when Kobe was was in his prime. So, it's a it's um it's a terrible loss, you know, when when somebody like that goes, but I, again, I do know there's there is life or the afterlife, is probably not the best terminology, but that's just, that's the way most people call it. I it's, think, it's you real.
0: know, given that we're both writers, I think part of the problem is the language. Yep. You know that old uh, Mark Twain quote the difference between the lightning and the lightning bug? Is you know the right word? It's hmm. afterlife makes it sound like it's all downhill from there.
1: And, you know, and, and, it's and yeah, really,
0: really, I mean, there needs to be a recontextualization. Yeah. As more and more evidence, I mean, I I was telling you know everybody last night, I have lots of evidence that Robin is somewhere out there.
2: I heard your conversation with Jim about that. Yeah, I was I was very touched by that.
0: And there seems to have been, you know, I think she's lost my phone number because nothing's happened in the last <laughs> several weeks. And it's like one, yeah. the one weird thing that happened. I t- said yesterday that something had disappeared. Oh, I've been looking yeah. for it. It's still gone. And well, there's no way it could have. And what's ironic is, it was a SIM card for a, a track phone that someone has bought for me in case. We lose total power because I don't have a cell phone. I never wanted a cell phone. Uh, when I was away, I wanted to really be away and incommunicado. Yeah. And you know, you have to learn not to be, you know, prisoner of the technology, but yeah. you control the technology. And when Robin and I would go on trips, I mean, of course, she had her cell phone because of Michael, but you know, we didn't we didn't let people know where we were going to be, and you know, we had to maintain certain contact with like you know networks is that kind of thing, but. I really when we would go on these trips I would be in a different space and not wanting to do the same thing that I do at home which is answer the phone, look at Skype, return email, you know, the usual stuff. It's like she's lost the phone number and I'm I'm missing this these little indications. I mean, one of the things that this does for you, it makes you realize how so-called primitive societies would look at their surroundings and wonder if this or that was evidence that someone they cared about who was no longer in the family in the group you know present was somehow trying to communicate Mm -hmm. it's 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 almost archetypal i came down to the studio the other afternoon and i looked out the by these beautiful windows that look out on the sandias which I almost think of, uh, you know, as Robin in my mountain, because we did the
1: mm.
0: Acatron experiments for the eclipses up there. Yeah. And I look out on the little stones that form a little patio behind the house and in, in front of these windows, and there was a beautiful Robin oh, hopping around, <laughs> sipping, because it had just snowed and the snow was melting, so there was little puddles in the sandstone flagstones that are uneven, they're not flat, they're Wavy. And mm. then he would stop and he would look up at me right at me. And then he would go and he'd take another drink and then he would stop and he'd look raise his head look up right at me. Mm-hmm. And it was just uh I mean really because before she died some years ago, I don't know why, Robin bought a um Arthur Singer print. Now I don't know whether you know who Arthur Singer is. There were several mm-hmm. major painters in the 19th century who did stunning wildlife paintings and Boney and Arthur singer were the two leading ornithologist painters who painted stunning images of all different species of birds. Well, I don't remember what day it was that I'm going from the living room down to the studio. And I passed this easel that I had bought for her at Christmas for putting one of her medical books on, and instead of one of the books, there was this Arthur Singer print of a robin family—a oh. male robin and a female robin and a little juvenile robin—and <laughs> that, of course, made me harken back to an event that happened when I was in, in you know grade school, like fourth grade, in this little tiny town, Lew- Lewistown, Maryland, which, you, by the way, you can find on Google. My friend Greg Aarons huh. founded on Google, and we got Google Street Views, and the same house where I grew up, and all kinds of things happened to make me who I am now, it's still there sure. across from the Methodist Church. And it's eerie. I can go down around the curve and see the house where the two little old ladies that my <laughs> mother used to entertain for tea up until I came into the living room one evening and said, I've lost my snake. You, you never saw two little old ladies go FTL faster than, than that. That's that's definitely a kind of a chill on the evening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that high sc- that that grammar school up the street, which is still there, was where I mean when I was a kid. I don't know about you, but I was bullied horribly. If you're different, <laughs> if you're a slightly bit different, yeah. you know, the the yeah. the uh, green monkey syndrome they will be determined to destroy you. Mhm. And so I, I I I I I kind of turned inward, you know, I read science fiction, I went for long walks in the woods you can still see through, I mean, that little place, that hamlet is almost unchanged wow. in 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 50 years, 60 years. It's it's astonishing. Mm. It's like a little moment in time that has been preserved in some kind of Bubble or, or or force field.
2: Sounds anyway, beautiful.
0: Anyway, so that school was a site of many, many very bad experiences. But as part of my turning inward, when I was at home and weekends or whatever, I would rescue birds. Really? Well, we had vicious thunderstorms that would come across Maryland in those days. And after every thunderstorm, you know, birds would fall out of nests. So I would go and I would rescue them, put them back into, into nests. It does. It's not true that if you have the human scent on them, their mothers won't come and feed them. They um, didn't know that. That's that that that's an urban well. Yeah, say. I would,
2: no, I was told that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. We're all told that. I can I can prove <laughs> with real data that's not true. But sometimes, and I didn't know what it was. It was true, so I would have to rescue the nestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one particular case, I rescued this young, little tiny Robin and grew it in the, in the kitchen of the house, which was next to the restaurant, which is no longer there. They've now converted it back to a whole long house from, you know, fledglinghood to adulthood. And then of course you let them go, which I did, uh-huh. you know, and when you're, when you're 10 or so, it's, it's a terrible experience to, Love something and then learn you have to, if you really love it, let it go. (laughs) So I'm on the playground during recess one day, you know, grammar school, fourth grade. And I was being bullied by, I forget who, you know, the usual crowd. And I don't know why, but I just, I looked up in a tree and I saw a bird and I put up my fingers. And lo and behold, this robin flies out of the tree. And lands on my finger What? And the kids around are stunned (sighs) They're absolutely Shattered And it was my Robin
1: Oh god
0: Wow
2: It was the what? It was the one that you raised? It was the
0: one that I raised and let go A few months before
2: Oh so it was bonded to you It
0: recognized me and when I raised my hand It came To sit on my finger wow and and there's more to that because I had a kind of a foreshadowing that Robin would come into my life Mm. and that's not trivial we shall return back, everyone, to the other side of midnight for this pretty somber Sunday night, January 26th. I don't want to belabor the point, but, you know, I, I, I've said so often, Robert, that there are what I call nodal points in one's life. Right. And if you pay attention, you know, it's kind of like the universe presents you with a choice. You can go this way, take that road, or you can go that way. And depending upon whether you take the up road or the right road or the left road, things will be different. Just to complete this circle, you know, I'm not a superstitious person. I'm not someone (laughs) who who believes in woo-woo and airy-fairy. I like real empirical evidence. Yes. And I've got it. You know, I know Robin's out there because she keeps sending me stuff and now it looks like she took something away to maybe catch my attention. Right. Because it was it, it, the, the thing was, the sim card is about communication. And so maybe yep. she's referencing communi you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But after that childhood incident, you know, I went, you know, I always was interested in ornithology, but I kind of went from birds to things higher in the sky, you know, right? astrophysics, cosmology, astronomy, you know things way out there that are incredibly interesting and mysterious. But I've always kind of maintained this thing for birds. And then, of course, when I got into the ancient history cycles and Egyptians and, you know, the the animal, you know, symbolism, Horus, uh, Falcons, that kind of thing we talked about last night. It was kind of rekindled. And, of course, living in the country You know, we used to be surrounded by lots of birds. I have not seen as many birds. Robin would put up this hummingbird feeder that uh, sits out on the porch. And, of course, they're down across the Gulf of Mexico. But they'll be coming back. And the return season for robins, which are also a migratory bird, is in January. And it was Mm. 21 years, 21, yeah, 21, this January that Robin and I, Came together, And we'd met briefly at a conference in, in Las Vegas. I was presenting on radar rings. And it's so funny because we actually wound up uh, having dinner with um, uh, some other speakers that night. And she turned to me. And she says, you know, your presentation was terrible. It was so disappointing. I thought you'd have solved it. <laughs> that was how we met. That was the mm-hmm. first words out of her mouth. So she goes back to Miami, and then I get an email. She and Michael were out for a walk one evening, and she sent me an email. You know, what's that twinkling, bright thing, that star in the sky? And, of course, I knew instantly it had to be serious. Mm -hmm. And so I sent her this email. And then when the whole um, Miami Circle thing came to to light, um, I decided I would go to Miami For a couple of reasons, one to solve that, and the other is this this redhead, this churlish redhead who had the effrontery to tell me that my presentation sucked because I didn't have the answer, (laughs) but then reached out and asked me about a star. And a couple days before I was going to leave to get on the airplane, I looked out my window one afternoon, and there was a bare tree. It was not the same house. It was a totally different house, of course. And I looked out, and this tree was covered with robins. There wow. must have been hundreds, two, three hundred robins wow. fluttering and swirling around and lighting back. And I mean, it was literally a, a living tree of robins. Well, now I look back and I look at these nodal points. Mm. Anyway.
2: Yeah, you're you know Richard, you're very blessed to have had these experiences and such good friends and you know our uh, family, family. I mean, obviously you and brother family. I felt that about her whenever we had conversations and communications. I always appreciated her friendship and and the love that she used expressing, and still I know she still she still is a very loving soul. You know, just it's just I think it's difficult. Especially the higher you go, the more activities that you're directly involved in. It's difficult to communicate with us here, because we I do feel like we have a lot of limitations on us here.
0: Well, I've said, and the more I look into this, particularly now since since Robin isn't here, and I've obviously been very interested in what's what's after. I think this situation, this life experience, this this transitional, three-dimensional brief time we have in this dimension, I think it's not representative. I think it's broken. I mm-hmm. think when the physics was broken 66 million years ago, that everything that has proceeded from that, we are living in a broken physics. And mm-hmm. no one has fixed it. And I've been asking myself for, for you know, a decade or two, given the the technical capabilities I know are out there that we're going to talk about later in the show vis-a-vis the U.S. Uh-huh. Navy. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: My question is why of all the cycles of civilization that have come and gone in this solar system in 66 million years, why has nobody fixed that which was broken?
2: That's a good and, question.
0: And I do not have the answer yet. If somebody yeah. out there has an answer, by all means, you know, call us tonight on Blog Talk. But I don't have the answer and don't tell me because it's because we're supposed to be living this this <laughs> existence, okay, the way it is yeah. Yeah. with with billions of people living literally at death's door. No, yeah. that is not life. That's not experience. That is hell on earth. Yeah. So how did it get to be so bad? And why do there have to be light after light after light that comes briefly to try to make it better, only to be whisked away before their mission?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that there's ever a good time or a good age or good way to leave, and especially if – it's so hard to say goodbye to anybody at any time. Um all I can say is that I know that it's not the end. You can call it whatever you want, but I know there's life goes on in a different manner, but it's there's a lot of similarities. And, and yet it's all if I understand this correctly, it's based on our choices that we make and the actions that we take that direct us forward or possibly retrograde, you know. And so it's, it, it's it's just fascinating. It's not that complicated, really. Um, it's just something that we are not very focused on, and I think we should be. All our, Not all, but it seems like a lot of our ancestors or the tribal people, different cultures that came before us, they seem to have a much better grasp of that aspect of our life here and how that extends to life in other realms.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, maybe it's because they live closer to the earth and they see the natural cycles, the cosmic rhythms, the Hmm. what I would call hyperdimensional resonances that modulate life. Mm -hmm. Um, The last apparition, if you can call it that, maybe that's not a good word because apparition means, you know, someone visibly shows up and that's not what happened. But the last communication I had with Robin that I really know was from her was one day after the winter solstice when the earth and the sun and the 4 million solar mass rapidly spinning black hole at the center of the galaxy are all lined up. And I've measured, you know, the Akatron for years, you know, the frequencies and the changes and all that. Mm -hmm. And there's always a lag. It's like the alignment itself is not, The the moment of truth, it's just after. I think uh, Hmm. uh, Maria Wheatley, who you may have heard on the show, she's our English um, uh, archaeoastronomical expert who does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was
2: fascinating. Yes, what she said about Stonehenge. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And the surrounding area.
0: Wow. Yep. yep. Well, she's been measuring, you know, with other technologies like dowsing and Mm -hmm. human senses and all that, the, the energies that happen at places like Stonehenge during and after eclipses. And she says the biggest impact is not during the event, but after the event. Hmm. There's kind of like a phase angle, whatever that angle is. So when, when the events around this last communication from Robin happened after, you know, day after the solstice, the alignment with the galaxy, to me it was almost right on cue. The problem is there's been nothing since. Now we go as, as Georgia Lambert and I have discussed many times, you know, the earth cycle, the spiral around the sun, as we move in orbit through the galaxy, there are, there are periods that are different depending upon what season it is to how the physics is preparing for the next, you know, concretization of those things, which are set in the ether, in the field, in the in the insubstantial.
2: Yeah, the patterning. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking that that may be what's going on here. So I'm obviously attuned to, you know, her next phone call. Mm-hmm. To be very flip
2: about it. <sighs> well, I'm sure she wants to. I when when the time is right, when she has a moment, because I I I really think she's extremely busy. Based on what I've been studying in this, and it, it came to me from a listener to my show, sent me a link and said, have you ever read this book called Astral City? And the, No, I hadn't, but I looked it up, and I've been reading – my wife and I have been reading it, and um, we're almost done, and it's wow. <laughs> it, <clears throat> I've read similar things about people's impressions of after they've left their body. Some of them came back, and so they they gave us an inkling or some insight of what life is like when you leave the physical plane. And it's actually very similar, but it has a a much higher degree of spiritual awareness and activity that it goes on, especially for those that are of service to others and realize that we're all family.
0: Go ahead. What was that? I didn't
2: say anything. Okay, Keith, you're doing some weird stuff with the board tonight. That was really strange. Anyway, um, yeah, that I and I, you know, Whitley Strieber is has been talking a lot about um passing of his wife Anne and how she's still in communication with him.
0: Well, they've and, written a book together, and when I, know, I had Whitley I on a few months ago, you okay. know, I I said, so you know. I said very bravely, you know, you and I should do a show on this. I'm not ready for
2: that. No, no, no. I, I will, understand. I will of not course. be, you know. I mean, but I it could, was, it was this sin- time go ahead. No, no, no. Okay, so the one of another friend of ours, mutual friend, is Don Ayers, the retired oh, yeah. NASA engineer. Yeah. yeah. Uh he doesn't want to be known publicly and but I had to say his name otherwise you wouldn't know who I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> you could have said Don that we know.
2: Well, yeah, or yeah, you or you Don. or
0: you could have used right. his code name.
2: He has a – oh yeah, Fisherman. Anyway, I'm giving out all this. Giving it out tonight. Yes, go ahead. Uh, It's okay. He's not really in hiding. He just, you know, his pension is tied to the whatever government agency. The thing is, he's very up there in years, and his wife has been suffering in ill health, and he's been he's been her nursemaid essentially, keep trying to keep her around as long as possible. And I understand that they've been together like what, like 50, 60 years. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy how long they've been together and God bless them. But um, he's, you know, he, he, he is struggling with this transition. So he called me out of the blue one day and he said, Robert, I, I don't know who else to ask about this, but what, would you please tell me your opinion? Why have I had no visitations from, from these other beings, from, you know, other realms? And I uh, I, I have a pretty good memory and I said, well, you, you know, you told me that when you were a child that there was um, a being, a very um, – I guess you'd say like an, a master that uh, <clears throat> that approached you when you were a child in your bedroom and you told him to get the hell out and never come back. Oh, my, 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 my. Yes. And he said, oh, my – he says, I forgot all about that. And I said, yeah, but he hasn't. They haven't. You told them to, to basically piss off, and what do you expect them to do? And I said, next time they show up, maybe you just say sorry, you know, because I said the only reason they would have approached you is Well, he is doesn't even have you... to wait for them to show up. Well, in any case, it was one of those things, and he, he was asking me for help, but in his timing of that call actually was confirmation for something that I was struggling with. So we actually helped each other. And it, it, I think that level of reciprocity is what, a big part of what this is all about whether you're in the physical or not, Hmm. or making a transition into the next realm. So
0: I somehow hmm. don't think that would, I, I, if, 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 you know, advanced beings, advanced consciousness, higher level spirituality, whatever you want to call it means anything. It certainly doesn't mean that anybody, you know, who's not here 3d holds grudges. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't think that's the operative thing. I think it's – Okay, you're right. You're I, right. Thank I you for it, clarifying. I think it has to be more You know the old Malibu joke. Remember the she Malibu is. joke? How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb in Malibu? Go ahead. <laughs> Only one. But the light bulb has to want to change.
2: Ah. <laughs> so the you, change – Did you make that for me, I think?
0: No, no. it just oh, – and no, my grandmother does not tell me that one. No, that one—that's okay. from some other place. <laughs> Don had to reach the point where he would ask the question. Ah, I see. You mean so?
2: Yeah, the mere fact he was asking it, and I gave him some insight—is the open door? Reflection. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, I know. I, I felt that as I was talking to him. In fact, we both were moved to tears about. There's a lot more we said. I, I don't want to bring it up. He, I, like I said, he's a very private guy, but. Just giving you some illustration of there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes that you never see or hear on the news or in the internet. It's it's just it's a some people call it the quickening. Art Arden Whitley called it that, but I I don't know. Some people call it ascension. Yeah, call it whatever you want. There we are evolving towards some le- higher level of being or awareness. Consciousness.
0: Well, again, going back to the physics, and I've talked with uh, Rick Levine about this. I've talked mm-hmm. with well, actually, I talked to anybody who'll listen
1: about this. <laughs>
0: that we are at this cusp of this 26,000 year cycle, mm-hmm. the precession, which is like the grand rheostat of the physics and its impact in evolution on Earth and that's why i've been anticipating all kinds of never before seen things mm-hmm. so when donald trump was elected it was like okay check that one off all right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the whole evolution of his political you know domination of people's consciousness is totally on schedule you know yeah. when people look around and say well who ordered this remember donald trump is not the cause he is the symptom Of society (laughs) itself which is so out of tune and so it's think of fingernails on a blackboard. All right? That's the society in which we're living. If these things, as George and I have discussed, are not addressed, if they're pushed under the rug, which they've been for decade after decade after decade, for millennia. Yeah. This is the time when it all comes bubbling up. And we have these huge decisions to make. Mm -hmm. At some level, this almost looks like, you know, biblical
2: judgment time. Yeah, but we're not being judged. You just said it. We're actually making choices.
0: We're judging ourselves. Yes. yes, That's what's going to happen. We're in the process of showing to ourselves and to the world who we are. Mm -hmm. Are we going to choose truth over lies, Mm -hmm. honesty over deception, humanity over inhuman? In other words, all of these boxes have been checked, and we're now poised on the brink of the choices of our lives and of thousands of generations of lives before us because Mm -hmm. the physics is coming
2: to a climax once again. Wow. Well I wrote it this way on my website. It's uh it's time to choose between utopia or dystopia, liberty or tyranny, resonance or dissonance. Yep. Yeah.
0: There's a there's a beautiful movie. I don't know whether you've seen it, called Things to Come. With 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 Raymond Massey. No. You've never seen it?
2: I'll have to check oh,
0: check that out. yes, 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 it's out there, you know i it, they actually ran it on t m c the other night and I taped it hmm. so I could see it you know at my my schedule. I saw it the first time I ever saw it was when I was this kid who'd somehow snagged this job at the museum in in Springfield, and I talked my director into paying for me to go to washington d c to the uh, uh, naval uh, facility there, the Navy, Navy Yards, to look for footage for a television special I was creating with a, a local NBC affiliate up on a place called Proven Mountain, west mm-hmm. of uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. I was, let's see, I was what, six, 17, 18, somewhere around there. And, you know, at that time, 17, year olds didn't go bombing around the country with airplane tickets on their own representing cities and museums. Yeah. So I did, and I'm in this beautiful hotel in downtown Washington. I've got my first meeting scheduled for like 10 o'clock. I get up like at 7, you know, so I'm going to be really ready, right? Mm -hmm. And I turn on the TV. There's TV in in hotel rooms, you know. Who would know? (laughs) And there's this movie running. And I've got to tell you, I literally took – I had to take a cab – to dash across town to make that first meeting because the movie was riveting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was from the 1930s, 35, I think, starring Raymond Massey, who was a very, you remember he played Lincoln and all these wonderful parts. Mm-hmm. And it was called uh, Things to Come. And things it was to Come. Things okay. to Come. And it was a future forecast of life from World War II into the distant future, the twenty first century. Really? And I'm not gonna give it away. But there is a there's a certain set of lines at the very end of the film which so encapsulate the choices and decisions we humanity face tonight. Not Mm. just us here in the United States, but all over the planet, there are huge decisions to be made choices. To be made by us, and there's this resonance in the field. Remember, I've said many times: you look around, the good are getting better, and the bad are getting worse. Yes. That bilocation, which I can trace to, you know, frequency splitting. If you want to get really, you know, physics about it, Mm -hmm. it's all about choice. It's about good and evil. It's about Mm -hmm. who are we going to choose to be? Are we going Mm -hmm. to be fearful? are we going to be courageous? I mean, the U.S. Senate has a stunning set of choices about courage and fear right now, mm. as never before in American history, because literally the fate of the republic is at stake. Nothing less, nothing more. And to be living through that history and being able to watch it in real time, regardless of your transient political position – that's what I want people to focus on. This is not a trivial time to be alive. It's a time when everything has meaning or nothing has
2: meaning. Yes, I agree. Well said. I, I, I'm i just glad I'm not in Washington, D.C. right now because I'd probably get arrested because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to keep my mouth shut. Well,
0: see, that's a choice. I know. You know, I mean, this show has been attacked in every conceivable f- fashion
1: mm-hmm.
0: to get us off the air. Um, there are amazing things going on behind the scenes. Someone uh, succeeded with Robin's death because of certain things that have been set up in stealing Enterprise. The Enterprise, me? the Enterprise mission is gone. People huh. have been asking me. It. Got stolen, and the and the hijackers, the thieves, the pirates, who stole it, wanted to sell it back to us for one thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars.
2: God. Well, well, that doesn't make any sense.
0: It makes perfect
2: sense. It's I mean, called not it, much.
0: it's called turning the knife. 19.5. Oh 19.5. oh 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 oh, okay. oh, oh, no, oh Mr. Stanley. Sorry. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm I'm slow, Richard. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we all said no. for
1: clarifying.
2: Yeah, that makes perfect sense now. Yeah, of course.
0: course. You know, it's uh, up yours. Uh So, what uh we've done is we've transmogrified it into the Enterprise Missions website. All you do is add an S. Mm -hmm. Because the mission, you know, the original Enterprise mission that I created back in '96, Mm -hmm. it's now evolved to more than one mission.
2: Okay, that makes sense. So it's
0: kind of right. like the universe was saying, "Come on, Hoven, you know, get with the program. This is this is time for the next big thing." Yeah. So it's enterprisemissions.com.
2: Wow. Yeah, my website at unicusmagazine.com has been um, not black. Okay, it's it's not shadow banned. It's been blacklisted for uh, since what is it, 2000. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a number of years now because of. Uh, What do they call it? Cointelpro type of activities behind the scenes that there's operatives that created uh, subdomain names Mm
1: -hmm. that
2: tainted me in a sense that when the bots go out and they say, you know, Unicus magazine, it is associated with these subdomain names that say click fraud. um, um, What was the other one? Um, Pornography, um, just a host of things that will get you blocked. So, my website is actually blocked in a, some countries or limited access just because of the the you know the dirty tricks that these guys pull behind the scenes. instead of just taking me off entirely, they, they was, it it was was more surreptitious than that. so but we prevail. Somehow, we persist to, with the program.
0: well, we as you know if you looked at the latest in fact, you sent me the ratings. I was very appreciative. you sent me <laughs> yeah, the talk stream live ratings both for the mainstream uh programs like Rush mm-hmm. and whatever, as well as this subset they've created called Paranormal. I hate that term. I know. If, I know. Why can't we do something about it? Why can't we change it? remember words, language, fireflies, lightning, you know? Paranormal means it's somehow separate from normal. Right. You know, when I talk about Robin communicating, it's not paranormal, it's part of normal. Yeah, it's just super not normal. recognized yeah. by the political infrastructure, which has every intent to keep us from figuring out there's more than three
2: dimensions. Yes, yes, yes.
0: And I, agree. I, I think I said to somebody one night, I said, you know, I, I know the reason why all these amazing technologies, so-called uh, breakthrough energy and anti-gravity and all this, is prohibited. We're not supposed to know it, it works because with it comes the baggage. Of unlimited consciousness and whoever is enforcing uh, Alex Jones who I don't agree with on most of anything but I do with all this he calls this the prison planet that's Mm -hmm. the way we're kept in prison by Mm -hmm. not letting us understand this physics and the reality of other dimensions and other
2: um, existence yeah levels of, of existence yeah that's part of our divine birthright I agree
0: Okay, let's hold it there. We're at the top of the hour. My guest this morning is Robert Stanley. As you can tell, Robert and I are old friends and colleagues, and we've done all kinds of interesting explorations. We're going to continue this. Here on the other side of midnight, my name is Richard C. Hoagland. We're into a night of deep philosophical musings and speculations. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording. Have the commercials removed? and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I wanna thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.